It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Tesla's Q1 2020 financial results and Q&A webcast. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and I am so excited because I've got some brand new upgraded mic cables, and I am not hearing the popping and the hissing that I was before. So it seems to be a success. These things were not cheap, but all together, I think it's going to be totally worth it because I spent a lot of time trying to get those hisses and cracks out of the recording. Now, I can't get the echo out of the recording, <laughs> That's going to require some soundproofing in the room. And I had some plans, uh, but those plans got put on hold because while I was at work, we were doing some training and I smashed my phone. So mm, I had to buy a new phone. Uh, I smashed it good. Anyway, that's going to put my plans of soundproofing this room a little bit on hold because, as you know, uh, phones aren't cheap and it was really expensive. So here we are. Uh, with an echoey room. But this week we are going to talk about Tesla's Q1 2020 earnings. And I'm really excited. As many of you know, these are my favorite podcasts to do because I think we get a lot of good information from them. Now, earlier when I first started this podcast, we get way more information from Elon and we really never knew what we, what, which Elon we were going to get. Now, in, you know, recent months, recent years, Elon's been a little bit more measured and not quite as, uh, let's say, generous with his information. He's a little bit, you know, more guarded now, which I think is a good thing. They're not quite as exciting to listen to as they used to be, but they're still my favorite uh, type of podcast to do. So before we get into that, I want to thank Alex for becoming a new Patreon supporter. Alex, thank you very much. Uh, I sent you a message through Patreon, and I'm not really, I don't know if it gets to you. <laughs> Because I, I don't usually do that. I usually send it through regular email. So, Alex, if you didn't get a message from me, um, I apologize. Let me know, and I'll send you a new message uh, via email. And let me know if you need any help setting up your exclusive podcast link so that you can listen to the Patreon-exclusive content in your wherever you listen to your podcast. If you would like to join Alex and become a Patreon supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. And you can take a look um, at our levels. There's only two, the $1 level and the $5 level. All the money goes back to the podcast. None of the money goes in my own pocket. Okay, so let's start the actual podcast. 
Our first clip is going to be Elon's opening remarks, which are usually pretty lengthy, but full of some informative stuff. So let's give that a listen. So <clears throat> Q1 ended up being a strong quarter despite many, cha many challenges in the final few weeks. This is the first time we've achieved positive gap net, net income uh, in a seasonally weak first quarter. Even with all the challenges, we achieved a 20% automotive gross margin, excluding re regulatory credits, while ramping two major products. Um, what we've learned from this is that uh, we've obviously learned a lot here. After all, um, after the Model 3 ramp from three years ago, um, our new products get run faster and become profitable sooner. In Q1, we produced more Model Ys in the first quarter than Model 3s in Fremont in the first two quarters. Thus far, the Model Y ramp has been even faster than the Giga Shanghai ramp in Q1. Most surprisingly, in other words, we are ahead of the schedule that we were ahead of already. Um, most surprisingly, uh, Model Y was profitable already in its first quarter of production, something we haven't achieved with any product in the past. Regarding Autopilot, we released a new software update for traffic lights and stop signs uh, to early access users in March and to uh, all U.S. customers uh, with, with full self-driving package uh, just last week. Our cars will now automatically stop at each stop sign or traffic lights until the driver gets a confirmation to proceed. Um, I, should, I should say that the car is actually capable of much more than this, uh, but we are, we are only uh, exposing functionality that we feel uh, quite good about and where we feel that it, it is a, a probably a safety improvement. Um, we, are, we are collecting data from over a million intersections every month at this point. This, this number will grow exponentially as more people get the update and as more people start driving again. Uh, soon we will be collecting uh, data from over a billion intersections per month. Uh, all of those uh, drive, all of those confirmations are training our neural net. Essentially, the, the, the driver when driving and taking action is effectively labeling uh, the labeling reality as they drive um, and making the neural net better and better. Uh, but this is an advantage that no one else has. We're, we're quite literally orders of magnitude more than everyone else combined. Um, I think this is difficult to to fully appreciate. Um, you know, it's the reason that say, it's, it's very difficult to have a search engine that competes with Google because everyone is training Google all the time with the, with uh, with their searches. So when you search on something and you click on a link, you're training Google every time you, you do that. It's just very difficult for any any new search engine to compete on that basis. Um, so, uh, so all of those confirmations are training on neural net, uh, and soon cars will be able to drive through an intersection without a confirmation, as well as to make turns. Um, and and we really feel we're uh, I feel extremely comfortable, extremely confident that uh, it will be possible to do uh, a drive from your home to your office. Um, most of the time with no interventions by the end of the year. Uh, so this, this, this is, we, we can almost do this already with the bleeding edge alpha bills uh, that, that I'm driving in the car. Um, uh, so let's see, on, on other technology front, fronts, uh, we increased the range of model S and X yet again this time to 391 miles for Model S and 351 miles for Model X. And it should be said that actually the model, the, the, the real Model S range uh, is, is 400 miles. 
Um, but when we did the last EPA test, um, unfortunately, EPA left the car door open and the keys in the car. So the car, and they did this overnight. And so the car actually it, um, w went into w waiting for driver mode and lost 2% of its range. And as a result, it had a 391 uh, test. As soon as the EPA reopens for testing, we'll redo the test, and we're actually confident that we will achieve a 400-mile or greater range with the Model S. But to be clear, the, the, the Model S that uh, for the past two months, the, the, the true range of the Model S for the past two, two months has been 400 miles. Um, and, and, of course, we're not stopping there. We'll, we'll always continue pushing for improved range over time and improving improving. Um, handling, acceleration, and all the little details that make uh, a Tesla special. For Model Y, we, we introduced a revolutionary two-piece uh, rear underbody casting um, that uh, we're um, going to be making a single-piece casting uh, later this year, uh, meaning that essentially the rear third of the body is cast as a single piece, which is no, no casting of, of this size of complexity has ever been done before. Um, in fact, there isn't even anything that is on the, on par with the two-piece casting for the Model Y. So we're really pushing the envelope on vehicle structural engineering and manufacturing. I'm very excited about this, this approach as it allows us to reduce the, the weight, the cost, um, and, and improve NVH. Uh, uh, it's better in every way, essentially. Um, we also, for Model Y, we also introduced a revolutionary new heat pump, uh, which uh, allows the car to have a higher range. Um, so the, the Model Y has remarkable range, uh, you know, on par with, in fact, slightly better than, I guess, the Model 3. Um, and just despite being a bigger car, that uh, weighs more. And this is, uh, the heat pump is a key contributor to that. Um, it is especially... Uh, excellent at low temperature driving. So, um, and, and the feedback we're getting from customers who have received the, the Model Y thus far has been universally positive. Um, we're, we're confident this, this product will be our best selling product ever. So, uh, in conclusion, um, uh, and, and, and just to look at looking for, I guess this is a forward-looking statement. <laughs> um, we we are absolutely continuing uh, our Model Y capacity expansion at full speed at both Giga Berlin and Giga Shanghai, uh, and, and and here in Fremont when they will let us continue. Um, localized production in China and in Europe will bring the cost down, making our products even more competitive over time. Uh, while many other companies are cutting back on investment, we are doing the opposite. We are absolutely pedal to the metal uh, on new products and expanding the company. And, uh, and we're really looking forward to being in sometime next year a truly global manufacturer with major factories in uh, North America, China, and Europe, and a capacity of well over a million units a year. So there's a tremendous amount to look forward to, and we we can't wait to tell you what's going to happen. Thank you. So I think this was a pretty good opening statement by Elon. I want to go over a few things. I'm not going to go over everything that he talked about, but I wanted to go over a few things. He said that they produced more Model Ys in the first quarter 
then they did Model 3s in the Model 3s first two quarters. And to that, I say, of course, they did. <laughs> Model 3 had a ton of issues that they just were not able to fix. Like they set everything up and they were like, this is going to work beautifully. And then there were tons of uh, systems within their master plan that just did not work. You know, I'm not going to go over all those because we've talked about those in the past. But of course it did. But on the other side, they took all of those issues that they had with the Model 3 and they put them, you know, they solved problems for Model Y. Now, I'm sure Model Y had its own specific set of issues that, you know, the Model 3 didn't have because it's a different car. But it's largely the same car as the Model 3 and they were able to fix a lot of those problems. So I would expect them to produce more Model Ys in the Q1 time period than they did Model 3s in its first two quarters. Uh, I would be disappointed <laughs> if they didn't. Um, they probably would have produced quite a bit more if there wasn't, uh, you know, COVID. I'm sure that uh, that really put a hamper in their production. Although even with the COVID problems, um, they the Model Y is profitable in Q1, which sounds like they haven't had any vehicle that's been profitable in Q1 or at least in their first quarter. So that's pretty impressive. And again, he mentioned that the Model Y is ahead of schedule. So all of that is uh, great. And I'm really happy to see that. Elon did mention the stop sign and stop light update. Uh, Sam Abul Samed wrote an article. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Shame on me for not being prepared. One second. I'm just going to read. I'm not going to read you the article itself, but I'm going to read you the headline. Got to go through my Insta paper here. Look for Sam's name. I like Sam Abul Samed. I think he's a really smart guy. He really does not like Tesla, which I think is unfortunate. But this is the headline in a Forbes article that he wrote. Tesla and owners go reckless again with a new automated driving feature. Um, I don't think this is a very fair headline. And you can I'll put a link in the show notes and you can go and read it yourself. This headline's not fair because they actually, Tesla actually asks you to conform, confirm, um, as you're coming up to a stoplight. It's not, you know, it's not just doing it. It's, it's wanting your interaction. And like we talked about before, before you, you the, you know, before you could use this feature, you have to agree that you're going to be paying attention to the road. So, um, I think that's unfortunate. Because I Sam is a really smart guy, and again, I'm saying his name like I know him. I don't know him, but I've heard him on many different podcasts. I've read his stuff before. He has his own podcast, the Wheel Bearings Podcast. He just doesn't like Tesla, and I think he that bias goes into his writing. Um, he does, from time to time, have nice things to say about Tesla, but for the most part, I don't think he really cares for Elon is really what it comes down to. Anyway... Um, Elon expects the drive from home to work. Uh, you'll be able to go from home to work with very little interruptions. So I think that's great by the end of the year. Um, I just go back to please stay vigilant so that you're not getting into an accident at an intersection because those things are nasty. I was actually just on a, my wife's vacuuming. <laughs> so you probably hear that in the background. My kids are jumping up above the, the room that I podcast in. Anyway, um, it stops my heart every time I hear those noises. 
Um, <laughs> totally distracted. Uh, yeah. Stay vigilant, I guess is what I wanted to say there. And you're going to be able to go from home to work with autopilot with very little interventions from you. We'll see how that works out. And then um, updates on the Model Y. He mentions the heat pump. I expect that we're going to see heat pumps in all of Tesla's vehicles going forward because Tesla has uh, received a lot of kudos on this. I believe the Hyundai Kona already has a heat pump and there's some other EVs that have heat pumps. But for whatever reason, the kudos coming from uh, everybody who's uh, got a Model Y that's receiving huge like uh, ad- adoration. Is that the right word? People like it. All right, now we're going to hear from Zach Kirkhorn, who is Tesla's chief financial officer. I'm very proud of the accomplishments of the Tesla team this past quarter. Uh, a few things to highlight and add to what Elon just mentioned. We successfully launched, ramped, and demonstrated profitability of the Model Y, as Elon mentioned, significantly ahead of schedule. And this is our second large-scale product launch since Model 3 in 2017, and it's evidence to the progress we've made on cost control and ramp efficiency. It's hard to understate the significance of demonstrating profitability of this program in its first quarter of production. Our Shanghai Model 3 margins improved dramatically since Q4 of last year, nearing equivalence of Model 3's built-in Fremont. This is despite not yet running at full capacity while also managing through the production shutdown in early February. We also announced a long-range and performance variant of the Model 3 per our roadmap, which will positively impact ASPs in China. On order rates, we did not experience much of an impact related to the expiration of government incentives at the end of Q4. In fact, we exited the quarter with our highest ever backlog yet again. Aided by these accomplishments, we were able to achieve our first ever Q1 profit. Automotive gross margin, excluding the impact of regulatory credits, remain strong for all products, despite charges taken in Q1 associated with production downtime. We continue to make progress on OPEX efficiency, as well as our service and other margins. Our energy business was impacted as well by shutdown activities in Q1, limiting deployments. We also experienced expected launch inefficiencies associated with our third version of the solar roof, which impacted overall profitability. As I've noted before, we expect regulatory credit sales, which our credits we sell to other car makers, to generally increase with time. This can be seen by the increase from Q1 relative to Q4. And note that most of the credit revenue did not contribute to cash in Q1, and it's reflected in the accounts receivable uh, on the balance sheet. Our free cash flows were impacted by the temporary, uh, by the temporary increase in end-of-quarter inventory for all our products, resulting from the abrupt suspension of production and delivery operations. Had these interruptions not occurred, we were pacing towards a record quarter of deliveries and strong free cash flows. As Elon mentioned, it is extremely important that we remain on track to achieve our long-term plans and technology roadmap. We are taking the near-term actions required to continue those investments. Model Y in Shanghai and Berlin are proceeding as planned, and we're making progress on improving capacity for Model Y in Fremont and Model 3 in Shanghai. In the near term, our Shanghai factory remains operational, contributing an increasing level of cash flows and profitability to the company. In Fremont, we're working towards restarting production as soon as that's possible. We are also continuing to deliver cars that we were unable to deliver at the end of the first quarter. 
Our vehicle inventory balance increased by 14,000 units at the end of Q1, which was a headwind to free cash flows in Q1, but is helpful in Q2. Note that one of the most important aspects of Model Y in Fremont and Model 3 in Shanghai is the dramatically improved cash conversion cycle by locally producing and delivering vehicles. While sales and delivery operations have paused in many areas of the world, we are still receiving many online orders, despite inability for our customers to experience the product prior to ordering. However, unavoidably, the extended shutdown in Fremont will have an impact on our near-term financial performance, and we will need to work through how quickly we'll be able to ramp production to prior levels. More broadly, we remain focused on ensuring our cash flows are managed appropriately. Working capital management, in particular raw material inventory, is the single most important lever in managing our cash flows during this time. The Tesla team has done a great job here. We've also taken actions to eliminate or reduce non-critical expenses and optional investments while continuing to drive efficiencies throughout the business. Overall, we've modeled many scenarios into 2021 and remain comfortable that we have sufficient liquidity to proceed fully with our most important long-term investments. Uh, it's important to note that Tesla remains an extremely agile and dynamic company, and this is aided by the substantial work we've done over the last year to improve our cost efficiency and productivity. And we have the ability to quickly adjust our spending and planning as required. I really don't have much to add on this little clip here. Um, I mostly left it in for the Tesla investors who listen to this show. But one of the things that I did note is they really highlighted how they've improved efficiencies over time. And this is something that, you know, Tesla's really been doing at least, you know, seriously for the last three years. And it sounds like they're starting to run a pretty tight ship. So that's great. And I'm sure that investors are really happy about that. And speaking of investors, you know, I did the transition there. They are now going to take questions from institutional investors. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave. They're going to read the question and then they're going to answer the question and I'll come back in and I'll give my two cents. And then we'll go to the next question. Most Tesla owners have yet to purchase or experience FSD. And despite most vehicles having all the necessary hardware, what levers could you pull to accelerate adoption and deepen your data advantage? For example, could you consider offering FSD as a premium subscription? Um, I think we, we, we will offer uh, full self-driving as a, as a subscription service, uh, but it will be um, probably towards the end of this year. Uh, it, it, I should say it, it will still make sense as, as to, to buy FSD as an option as in our, in our view, it, buying FSD is is an investment um, in the future, and, and we are confident that it is an investment that will pay off to the consumer and to the benefit of the consumer. Uh, and in, in my opinion, um, buying the FSD option is something people will not regret doing. I agree, and, and financially, rolling the upfront purchase of your of the FSD option into a loan in the vehicle or a lease is will be the least expensive way on a monthly basis to own, plus you preserve the option value of increased value with time. Yeah. But we do understand that some customers who have ownership or have leased their vehicle did not purchase that option up front. And so this will enable those customers um, to spread out the cost of, of ownership of FSD or subscription over time. Yeah, absolutely. I should measure, like, at a high level, our, our overall goal is to, to maximize the area under the curve of customer happiness. That That is our goal. And we think that, you know, that that's the kind of thing that all companies should try to do. Um, and it's it's 
which w- what results in long-term value creation um, and you know and loyalty begets loyalty. So our goal is always really t- to do the best thing for the customers, um, and 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 we're confident that that uh, us if, if we if we behave like that 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 they the customers in turn will will behave the same way to us. I think this is great. I think a subscription model for full self-driving would allow a lot of people to experience full self-driving without actually having to pony up seven, eight, ten thousand dollars prior to, you know, when they buy the car, because a lot of these vehicles are kind of on the higher end of people's budgets. So the positive thing would be that more people can experience this. And depending on how Tesla does the subscription, like if you're going on a long road trip, you can enable it for a month first instance uh that would be great and then you could cancel it if you don't need it but if tesla locks you into like if you sign up you got to be locked into the subscription for a year that could be a little bit more problematic and the negative thing is you know this is a subscription and do we need more subscriptions in our lives and that's up to every individual person i know that i don't need more subscriptions in my life uh there i'm I'm always amazed to see every month. I'm like, oh, I thought I canceled that. I need to cancel it. And then the next month I was like, "Mm, I thought I canceled that. I I need to cancel that. Subscriptions have a way of just kind of sneaking into your budget and uh, sucking all the money out of your bank account. My guess is for Tesla to make this worth their while, they're going to need to charge over $100 a month. But I think it's probably going to be closer to two. Maybe $150 will split the baby and say $150. Um, which is a significant amount of money to be paying for a subscription. All right, let's listen to our next question. The second question from investors is, uh, Chandra recently announced changes to its uh, NEV subsidy program that disqualifies Tesla vehicles from benefiting uh, from the subsidies. To what extent is there room for Tesla to lower manufacturing costs in China and pass those savings to buyer so they can qualify for the subsidy? Yeah, so... Um, we are making rapid progress on lowering the production cost in China, and um, um, we're actually excited to announce on this call that we will be reducing the price of the standard range uh, Model 3 uh, uh, basically tomorrow China time. So the day after tomorrow California time, but tomorrow China time. Um, and, uh, and, that, and that will be a price below the subsidy limit. And we're, we're we feel confident that that will still be uh, a vehicle that delivers uh, a good gross margin. Yeah, and and on the manufacturing cost portion of the question, uh, the uh, cost of vehicles produced in Shanghai in Q1 is already lower than the cost to produce the Model 3 in Fremont, and there's still significant opportunity left to take cost out. So fixed cost absorption from higher production volumes which are occurring in Q2 and will occur through the rest of the year. We're not fully localized on the supply chain yet. And so while a lot of the supply chain is localized, it's not complete, and there's additional opportunities there. Um, and so we'll continue to bring the price down and expand margin, cost down and expand margin, even with this reduction in price that Elon mentioned on the standard range version of the vehicle. So both Zach and Elon touched on some of these uh, topics in their introductions. First, Zach said that they didn't see a significant decrease in purchases of the Model 3 in China because the subsidies went away. And then also Elon mentioned that as they get Gigafactory Shanghai up and running again, um, at least the full capacity, 
and they get Giga Berlin up and running, that's going to reduce production costs for Tesla. And hopefully that savings gets passed on to the consumers because that would be great for us for sure. All right, let's listen to our next question. Andy Grow once said that great companies are improved by crises. Um, in which way has Tesla improved or, ex- or, or is expected to improve coming out of COVID-19? Well, it, 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 you know, we, we, it has caused us to look closely at our cost structure and um, to be more efficient as a company. Uh, that that um, you know, one always has to do that in a crisis. Um, and, uh, you know, to think about our core beliefs and, and, and what do we want to do and we, you know, came to the conclusion that uh, that that the right the right move is actually to continue to expand rapidly, continue to invest uh, in in the future in new technologies, um, even though it is risky. Um, and we've talked to some of our key investors, and they support that approach as well. So, um, you know, I think that there's, there's clearly an uncertain, you know, future ahead. It's a bit of a bumpy road, but. I think the the long term uh, prospects are extremely good. Anything you guys want to add? Yeah, I agree with that, Elon. Um, the um, prioritization on the key projects will enable us to execute more efficiently and faster on them, which I think is great. The, the other one that I would add is it's always been our vision at Tesla to um, improve the customer experience and and make that as digital as possible. Yeah. So touchless delivery, mobile service, uh, touchless sales has been something that we've been very focused on and made a lot of progress on. Yeah, the Tesla is the only car that you can you can literally order it in, in in less than five minutes on your phone. You can order a car and have it delivered to your doorstep with, um, with all the paperwork and everything done. That's it, effortless. And many customers do that. And, and they're doing it. Yes. In fact, a, a big part of it is just. Um, trying to communicate to people that this is something you can do because normally buying a car is a, quite a pain. It, it, for most people, they would rather go to the dentist than buy a new car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, actually, my, my dentist is great, but, but, <laughs> but it, it's, it's really like quite an arduous thing. It, you know, um, and, and, you know, when the typical retail experience for buying a new car is um, more, more painful to people than, than having a root canal, then, uh, you have to say, well, um, and for Tesla, it is uh, completely as as easy as ordering something from the Apple App Store or ordering something on Amazon and, and just up to the car. Yeah. I mean, I'm, in five minutes, if, if you really went fast, I think you could order a car probably in 90 seconds. All right. I thought that was actually a really good question. The answer, I think, is a really good answer to put investors' minds at ease. Um, I don't think they're lying. Don't get me wrong. I think they're being truthful in what they're saying. But on the other side, they didn't really go into any sort of detail on what they're doing to be more efficient or, you know, which projects they're prioritizing, although we could probably imagine if we thought hard enough which products they'd be prioritizing. But I would have liked to have had a little bit more of a meaty answer there. But, you know, it's not a bad answer. It's basically there just to say, hey, uh, we have a plan and we think our plan is still good. So we're continuing down this path. Okay, let's move on to our next question. 
Uh, can you give us a brief preview of the battery day by generally hi- highlighting steps Tesla is taking to improve cell uh, energy density and timeline for introduction? Um, yeah, actually, we're just I, I, we don't want to preempt battery day. Um, we want to you know, leave the exciting news for for that day, but there will be a, a lot of exciting news to, to tell, um, and I think it, it'll be one of the most exciting days in, in Tesla's history. Um, and we're just trying to figure out the right timing for that. Uh, we think probably the right timing will be the um, probably the third week of May. Um, um, not, not giving a firm date, but we think that probably that's the right timing. Um, and uh, depending upon what we're allowed to do, it'll either be in California or Texas. So let's focus on that last part. It'll either be in California or Texas. What I thought he was going to say there was, It'll either be online or in person and then think, you know, is moving more towards the online and not actually having people there. Um, it's unlikely it's going to be California because I believe that California is under lockdown until May 30th. So that's not going to fit Elon's timeline. The thing uh, that's interesting about Texas is, as far as I know, Tesla doesn't have any official presence in Texas. Um, it's actually illegal for you to walk into a Tesla store in Texas and buy a Tesla. I know that Elon and SpaceX have a relationship with Texas. And I know that Elon has floated building the Cybertruck in Texas. So just kind of an interesting thing there. One other little uh, tidbit that's important to know is Texas is one of those states that's a little bit more aggressive in opening up businesses after all of the the covid stuff like we sheltered in place and now texas is like okay we feel like we can open some of these businesses which you know include restaurants and i think movie theaters and malls and things like that but only at a like a 25 percent of what its normal capacity is if you think about the optics on this decision from tesla or by tesla and having a bunch of people fly in from states whether they're journalists or investors flying in from states or other countries that are having problems with COVID and then attending a, uh, an event that can, can essentially be attended online and everybody still gets a, uh, a good idea as to what's going on, especially when you consider the media frenzy. If one of these people comes to the event and gives like three or four other people COVID. And God forbid one of those people die. Like, I know that Elon, at least publicly, doesn't seem like he thinks COVID is as serious of a deal as other people. However, I work with doctors quite a bit uh, in my job, and they are all taking this, or at least all the ones I'm working with, are taking this very seriously. Um, you know, the department that I work for and surrounding departments are taking this very seriously. We mask up. We have eye protection. We have we gown up when it's appropriate. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what battery day looks like in Texas. I will say, though, that it's probably a terrible idea. <laughs> Just do it all online. It's fine. Find somebody who's really good at streaming like Alex Lindsay, who happens to be in the same area that you are, Elon, in Northern California there, and have them help you stream this so that it's safe for the people who are attending because it's going to be virtual. And then you don't have to deal with all of the, you know, 
news stories where Elon Musk gave 16 people COVID and nine of them died. Um, whether it's true or it's not true, these are the kind of headlines that you're going to have to deal with. Or Elon Musk denies health officials recommendations and holds meeting or whatever. Pick a, pick a salacious headline. I'm not saying those headlines wouldn't be entirely inaccurate. Um, I, I just think Tesla could save themselves a whole lot of headache by not doing this in person. It's really where I'm going with that. Okay, let's listen to our next question. Uh, could you please up, uh, update on progress towards development and commercialization of full self-driving? How much revenue have you recognized so far? Um, so just a couple of things on the financials for full self-driving. Um, and so currently in North America, it's sold for $7,000 as an option. We take roughly half of that as revenue and the other half of it goes into deferred revenue. Um, that's associated with features that will be released with time. Our deferred revenue balance is um, continuing to grow. It's a little bit over $600 million. And so as we release features with time, at the end of every quarter, we take a look at what features have been released, associated value, and then we can release that from the deferred revenue into our financials for that quarter. And then cars going forward, once a feature is released, we can recognize that revenue. So we reduce the amount of deferral and we can recognize that revenue within period. So, I mean, this is uh, one of what we think will be one of the most powerful gross margin levers with time as the feature suite is rolled out. Absolutely. There's also a tremendous amount of untapped potential in um, the, the fleet out there that could upgrade to turn on um, autopilot, basic autopilot, or full self-driving. Um, and that's something we will enable you know, just as a simple in-app purchase. Um, or as we talked about earlier, just you know, towards the end of the year as a subscription. So that, that's, that's just a, a lot of untapped potential there. Um, that's, that's not in the deferred revenue line, obviously, um, but is certainly a great deal of deferred potential that we think is a large portion of which is likely to, likely to reach fruition. Interesting that they take half of it and they say, okay, this is, we're going to put this in a fund. We count, don't count this as revenue until we actually release features. And then we're going to put, you know, take the other part and that's revenue, the other half. I really find that actually really fascinating. I don't have much more to say on it other than that's just an interesting way to do accounting. I do want to say that $600 million or whatever you said was in there seems like a really low number. That's only $1.2 billion total if you look at total full self-driving sales. And I know that there's a lot of other things that go into that, and it could be much more than that because we've probably already released certain amounts of money as time goes on and we've added more features. I totally understand that. It just doesn't seem as much as I thought it would be. All right, now we're going to hear from retail investors, and this is where I heavily edit because there are a lot of questions that, A, don't really have anything to do with this podcast because they're really super like financial in nature. Or B, they're just stupid questions. So let's take a listen. Thank you. And now let's go to questions from retail investors. Uh, question number one. Uh, Elon has mentioned a 50% compound annual growth target for Tesla in the past. Is this still in line with Tesla's ambitions for the next five to 10 years? This would be 4 million vehicles in 2025 and more than 20 million vehicles in 2030. Is 40% a more realistic target? Well, here is a perfect 
example of what I'm talking about. All right, we're going to move on to the next question. We're not going to hear Elon's answer because it wasn't necessarily a great answer and it doesn't really add anything to this show. So moving on. When will you announce the next giga? How many gigas do you have planned for the next five years? <laughs> um, I think we'll announce the next giga possibly as soon as uh, a month. We may, we may announce this as soon as next month. Um, this is not a prediction. It's just saying yeah, that's that could happen. Um, it will certainly be within three months and, and possibly one month. Um, and that would be in, in the U.S. Um, so as for how many will be in five years, I'm not, I, I don't know right now what that number would be. Um, I, I guess several more than there are today, but I'm not sure what, what exactly it would be in five years, but some number more than today. I'll also add that our gigas have gotten bigger. Yes. And uh, arguably we start being called Terra. Yes. Uh, with multiple products as well. And so, you know, the absolute number of gigafactories we may ultimately build might be less, but each one is larger. Uh, and that's under a belief that just significant efficiencies by having as much as possible and similar product lines under the same roof. Um, and as much vertical integration as possible all in one facility. All right. I'm going to keep this short because I'm just going to rehash some things that I think I've already talked about. I'm going to pull uh, the veil back a little bit or open the kimono, as it were. This is actually one of my wife's heavier days for working. So I'm responsible for our children. So I've been recording this since about 630 in the morning. It is now 1230. And I just come in here when I have about 10 or 15 minutes to record. So I can't remember exactly what I said earlier, but I think I've said these things. Uh, the next giga is going to be in a month. Uh, it needs to be announced within at least the next three months because they have Tesla semi, which they're behind on. Uh, and then also, you know, cyber truck, which they need to get on. So, um, I'm sure that that will be announced. I'm going to say right now it's going to be in a right to work state. It will not be in a union state because then Tesla will have to start negotiating with unions throughout the rest of their gigafactories and regular factories, I guess. And then one other thing is you probably shouldn't call it a Terra factory because it's too close to terror factory. You know, we live in a world where terrorist attacks are real and they happen frequently. And I don't know that you want to be branding your product Terra factory, which is really close to terror factory. You know, at one time, uh, Pepsi or Coke's contactless payment was called ISIS. And you can kind of see where that went. So Terra factory, maybe, maybe we call it something different. Let's take the next question. Uh, the next question is, can you give us an update on solar roof ramp? How many are you currently able to install per week? Uh, what is your installations per week's target for the end of 2021? Um, well, we were actually um, gaining tremendous momentum with the solar roof uh, before COVID, um, but, and COVID essentially shut us down, uh, both from the ability to install and the ability to get permits. The permit offices were closed. And we were, we, you know, shelter in place all over the place. So we obviously cannot install in the, if you can't get permits and you can't physically do it, it's physically impossible. So, um, but I think the long-term trend for solar roof is extremely good. Um, 
And I'm confident that, let's say, within the next, uh, you know, I don't know, year, or maybe even by end of year, we should be installing um, at uh, a rate of a thousand a week. Um, uh, you know, perhaps not in the in the middle of of winter or something. It's like it's taking seasonality, allowing for for seasonality where it's hard to install in roofs that are covered in snow and ice. Uh, but like in a say spring, um, I think it's in installing, which is the hard part. We 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 actually have demonstrated the ability to, to hit a thousand a week. Um, uh, burst build rate for the solar glass roof already, so that's not uh, that's not a problem. The, it's it's building up the install teams, uh, building up the third-party channel uh, installers, the roof, sort of roofing industry installers, um, and, uh, and and internally we want to have at least a thousand a thousand solar roof in, install teams uh, with um, and taking. A week, or perhaps a little less than a week, to do an install, which gets you a thousand a week uh, roof installations. We see demand is demand is good, production is good, uh, so it's really all about the install. Um, and then, and then, like I said, also building up the uh, training, the the, the very um, a diverse uh, group of of of, in, in, of companies in the roofing industry to also install solar roof that I think will scale, allow us to scale. You know, far beyond a thousand a week. Um, we're also seeing a lot of interest outside of North America, um, so we do expect this to be a product that is international, um, and and actually seeing a tremendous amount of interest from China on, on the solar roof. So um, we're confident this this will be a very significant product for the company over time. All right, not a lot to say there. Um, good update on the solar roof. Let's go ahead and listen to the next question. Uh, the next question is, uh, can you elaborate on Tesla's plan to enter the residential and or commercial HVAC market? Can you provide some basics of how uh, your system will work? Will you consider the heat pump water heater market as well? Um, well, as I said on Twitter, I'm personally extremely excited to build a kick-ass HVAC system that also has a uh, uh, you know, sort of hospital grade um, particle filtration, basically HEPA filtration that filters out uh, um, viruses, bacteria, um, pollen, uh, fungi, um, and uh, also neutralizes uh, acidic al- alkaline gases. Um, that is that is quiet um, and efficient uh, and now, these are all things we've achieved in, in, in our cars, by the way. In fact, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but the Model S and X are the only cars in the world that have a hospital operating room grade, like uh, HEPA filters built in. They're very big. So, um, but, but you can get to a, a particle count that is insanely low uh, with uh, with our cars. And um, 3 and Y have like MERV 16 or 15 capable filtration yeah. also, which is... It's not like Model 3 and Y are... are there, are no sli- there are no slouches. Model 3 and Y are also way... They're way better than any other cars, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, they're not quite as good as possible operating room, but they're extremely good. Way, way better than any other normal car. Um, and we're continuing to improve the, the filters on 3 and Y. Um, like these, these, these actually have a big effect on health, even in normal, just day-to-day living. It's, it's reducing um, particle count, um, and and uh, you know it has effect on allergies and, and all sorts of things. So it's it's really 
um, air quality is incredibly important. Even in a non-COVID situation, it's extremely important. So, anyway, taking all those things that we've learned and applying them to home HVAC, I think would be, and and commercial HVAC would be just very exciting. Um, And and if if you've got, if you're condensing water, like why not also have it be a water source? Um, If you have water, you possibly could then heat the water um, and have a water heater as well. Yeah, use it as a heat source if you need it instead of the outdoors when the outdoors is really cold. Yeah. Or the other way around. So, lots of options. It could be a hell of a product. Um, so, we, we just have to, you know, Tesla, we have a tendency to buy a formula we can chew on the product front. So, we, we got to make sure we, we, we have a lot of, um, irons in the fire here for, for new products with the Cybertruck Semi, road, uh, new Roadster, um, you know, and, and the, the, the gigafactories in various parts of the world, uh, and, and spooling up Model Y and Autopilot and the solar roof and new technology. Uh, yeah, exactly. Powerwall, Power Power Pack, Mega Pack. Um, but we are seeing tremendous demand for stationary storage, uh, more than more than we can supply, at least at least for 2020. While I was listening to this, I actually had a thought. Can you imagine how much money Tesla would make on filters for these HEPA filters for this HVAC system? Like consumables are huge. I mean, why do you think that razor companies, you know, they they sell you a very expensive razor handle. And then on top of that, they make you buy very expensive, expensive razors after that. Like consumables make companies money. It's a business plan that companies use. Uh, if Tesla had HEPA grade filters... And they were selling them, you know, what does it cost to probably make one of these things? Two, three dollars. They can sell them for 40, 50 bucks a piece. Uh, not a bad living, uh, honestly. Um, one of the other things that I noticed uh, Elon mentioned was commercial potential for these HVACs, which I think would be a really big deal, especially when you consider what we're dealing with now with the COVID thing. And at some point, or especially schools, schools would be a big te- a big deal too. And at some point, my wife and I will need to replace our air conditioners because they're not old, but they're not new either. And if Tesla had an air conditioner, and if it was within our budget, and it could do all of these things, I would definitely consider buying it. Um, we have two air conditioners right now, one for upstairs, one for downstairs. And uh, they're not inefficient but they're not the most efficient uh, air conditioners out there all right let's move on to analyst questions but before we do that um, an analyst asked elon and zach about liquidity in the company that answer was very boring but elon did express his views on shelter in place and we'll listen to that i do need to let you know that he does drop an drop an f-bomb in this so just be aware of that so let's hear elon yeah, yeah. I, I should say we we are a bit worried about not being able to resume production um, in the Bay Area, and, and that should be identified as a serious risk. Um, that, you know, that we 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 only have two car factories right now, one in Shanghai and one in mm-hmm. the Bay Area, and the Bay Area produces the vast majority of our cars, uh, all of S and X, um, uh, uh, and and most of the three and all of the Y. So. Um, the the extension of the shelter in place, uh, or frankly, I would call it forcibly imprisoning people in their homes, 
against all their constitutional rights. That's that my opinion. And breaking people's freedoms in ways that are horrible and, and, and wrong, uh, and not why people came to America or built this country. What the? Excuse me. Um, people, the outrage is an outrage. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, but it, it will cause great harm not just to Tesla but to many companies. Um, and while Tesla will weather the storm, there are many small companies that will not. And 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 all people's everything people have worked for their whole life is going to get is being destroyed in real time. Um, and we're going to have many suppliers and are are having many suppliers that are having super hard times, especially the small ones. Um, and it, it's it's causing a lot of strife to a lot of people. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm a little conflicted. Uh, in a lot of ways, I do agree with Elon that we do have rights and they shouldn't be trampled on. On the other side, I would like to see people not die. And I am a firm believer that you do have the right to go to a bar and, and drink or go to a movie theater, but you don't have a right to go out and get uh, COVID or coronavirus and then come home and then pass that along to somebody who who could die from it. And I think that that's where I stop agreeing with Elon. Um, he's allowed to have his views, and I honestly don't care what they are because they don't affect me. However, I'm allowed to have my views, and I certainly don't want to see someone financially harmed by all this, and there are plenty of people who are financially harmed, and that honestly makes me uh, sad, and that really bugs me because if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I am very pro worker and pro union. So having average, you know, working folks out of a job is to me, that's a big deal. And it is very important on the other side is I don't want to see more people die from coronavirus. So it's kind of, you got to balance those two things and we're starting to open up the country a little bit more. Really the frustrating thing is we don't know how many people would have died in real life had we not done any shelter in place. Um, we don't know how many people we saved doing shelter in place. There are models, but models are not, you know, fact or reality. It's their, it's their guesses. So enough of my nonsense. Let's move on. In our next clip, uh, the same gentleman that asked about liquidity, uh, he asks a follow-up question on what Elon basically wouldn't, like to say to lawmakers. And I'm not sure if this gentleman is looking for a soundbite or if he's genuinely curious what Elon would say to lawmakers. Well, Elon, on that point, you, know, you mentioned people that gave their lives to build the country. Um, my, my faults for you on this. There have been a lot of comparisons you know, drawn to the you know, state of the U.S. economy to the early 1930s when Roosevelt began a series of new deals and infrastructure projects or post-World War II when Eisenhower launched the U.S. Highway Act and when JFK launched the Apollo program, which you could say was you know, influenced by the Cold War, clearly, and, and you've benefited from and our space program benefited from. What would be your message to U.S. lawmakers on this call as we, in addition to your, your opinions on shelter-in-place, but you know, thinking longer term, your message to U.S. lawmakers coming out of the crisis, specifically around EV infrastructure and a, ch- a chance to kind of you know, work with taxpayers to support sustainable transport, renewable energy. I'm I'm wondering if you see this, you know, as a chance to make, make the crisis and uh, and all the loss and lives lost not be in vain. Thanks. I think it's high time we invested in infrastructure in this country. We have a lot of crumbling 
highways and bridges and um and, and frankly um you know when i visit china I, I i see their infrastructure as being much better than ours it's it's great um um europe has better infrastructure it's 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 really quite sad the the u.s infrastructure um especially sort of roads and highways is is, is where it is today uh, and our, our airports um in a lot of cases are are, are an embarrassment um so and it's not just a question of money it's a question of will um you know, sometimes we spend a lot of money on these things, but what are we getting for it? For it? Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, we, we really need to be thinking about what is the transportation of the future, not the transportation of the, ba- of the past. Um, you know, you know if, if this was uh, 1920, do you want to be investing in steam engines or internal combustion engines? You know, obviously, it's not steam engines. So, um, you know, this is a time to think about the future. Um, and, and also to, to ask, you know, are, is, is it right to infringe upon people's rights as, as what is, what is happening right now? Um, I think the, I think the people are going to be very angry about this and are very angry. Um, it's just like if somebody should be, if somebody wants to stay in their house, that's, that's great. They should be allowed to stay in their house and they should not be compelled to leave. But to say that they cannot leave their house, um, and they will be arrested if they do. This is this is a this is a this is fascist. This is not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people back their freedom. All right, I I actually do have quite a bit that I agree with Elon on this. I've already expressed my shelter in place stuff. That obviously that's not something I'm going to agree with him on. However, I do agree that we spend a lot of money on infrastructure, but what are we getting for it? There is a road uh, near where I work that has been torn up no less than four times in the last three years. It's a complete waste of money. Like they could have torn it up one time, put all of the infrastructure they needed to put into this road, and then been done with it. But no, they tear it up, they put a little bit in, and then they build a new building and they're like, oh, we need this, whatever this infrastructure thing is. And then they'll tear it up again and they'll put that one infrastructure or they need to make the pipes bigger or whatever they need to do. Like it's not efficient. It is a waste of money for taxpayers and it's totally inefficient the way that they're doing this. And as I speak to you, that road is still torn up. Like if we have a call at these set of intersection, I have to take the long way around because it's unsafe to drive code three through this construction area because what was once a four lane road with a, you know, turning lane is now a two-lane road, and people have nowhere to go when you're driving the fire truck through. So it, it slows us down, and it puts them in danger, them being, you know, the public. And it's just, it's not a good way of doing business. As a side note, did anybody hear the phone vibrate while Elon was talking? It was right about the time he started to talk, the phone vibrates. And I was like, when I heard that, I was thinking to myself, is somebody texting him saying, for the love of God, please don't answer this? Like, for the love of God, just don't answer it. And then, you know, Elon kind of looks down, glances, and chuckles, and answers it anyway. All right, let's move on to the next question. Hi, good evening. Um, question on, on Model Y. Um, I, I was hoping you can elaborate a little bit more on the drivers of uh, how the gross margin is already positive at such low volume. Um, how much of it is a function of the criminality with the Model 3 
what other factors should we think about, and what does that mean for the outlook uh, for uh, the eventual gross margin on Model Y? Yeah. Sure. Um, a couple of thoughts there for why. Um, uh, the first is, you know, it does carry a higher ASP. So on the revenue side, it carries a higher ASP than Model 3. And the deliveries that we started with were of the higher ASP versions of the cars. So we started with deliveries of performance um, uh, initially. And so that helps create some of the margin. Um, and that will come down with time as more variants are released and we have more of a steady state mix. But it, it's similar to the ASP trend that we had with Model 3 when we launched that product in Fremont two years ago. Uh, on the cost side, and I think you hit on a couple of the buckets, the commonality is huge. It's very important. And in addition to that, manufacturing processes are very similar to Model 3 as well. And so we have experience with that both with Model 3 in Fremont and then as well in Shanghai. And it helps to have an existing factory with existing workforce and knowledge here as well. So the ecosystem to support and launch the product is there. Um, th there remain a, a lot of opportunities to take, continue to take cost out of the car. I mean, the, the number of vehicles that we've built in the first quarter is, is quite limited relative to where we'll go. Yeah, it's good. Take cost out of the car and make the product better. So it's, exactly. it's, it's not make the product worse. It's any fool can take cost out of a car and make it worse. Um, we, we want to take cost out of the car, figure out how to make it lighter uh, and, and, and simpler. Um, and, and so it's, it's, we want the car to just, just incrementally improve as well as incrementally get lower in cost. Um, but, you know, for, for a five-seater Model Y, we, we, we expect, um, you know, marginal cost of that car to be comparable to the Model 3 uh, once we have, you know, reached, say, PEP. To ten or twenty thousand units, or something like that, and and, and I've gone. Do we lose all connectivity? So it sounds like they lost some connectivity in that part, but I think Elon and Zach gave enough information so that you can kind of get where this is going. I don't have much more to say on this that I haven't already said. Just increased efficiencies and you know lowering the cost while still making the car better. It's really been the theme of this whole uh, earnings call. Let's take our next question. Congratulations on the progress. And you talked about full autonomy by the end of the year. I would love for you to walk through the rollout strategy of the Tesla network app and how that's going to look prior to the robo-taxi stage. Are you going to gradually take over human routes with autonomous capable routes over time, or how do you see that playing out? Well, it's pretty much going to play out as as it has play, played out, which is we'll um, re release more and more functionality. Um, you know, before we reach re release any functionality, it goes through extensive testing. Uh, first, we run it. We, we have a, a simulations team that uh, has a I think a very good uh, simulation of the real world. Um, so we we run any code changes through a battery test and simulation. Then we um, have a, a global QA team, which I'm on actually. I'm one of the, um, the on the global QA team, um, and and we test uh, the releases in the real world, real world, find out the differences between the real world and the simulation, which is which are very many because the world is very complex and weird. Uh, and then we re release it to a small group of uh, 
private beta testers within the company, then to a, a larger beta audience, uh, including people outside the company, then to uh, early access uh, uh, Tesla owners, uh, and then finally a broader release. Um, and so there's, there are many stages that these things go through. So by the time something is being going to wide release into the U.S., it, um, it has gone through all of those stages, and the software that's at the at the very early stage is much more advanced than what people are seeing. So, um, but it's just got to go through a, a, a very rigorous safety uh, process. Uh, so, it, you know, essentially, we, we need to um, figure out to get very good at complex intersections get very good at complex turns in intersections um, and um, you know, things like um, busy uh, malls in a parking lot or um, office park or uh, special events and sporting events, that kind of thing, when those eventually come back. Um, yeah, these, those, those are extra hard cases. Um, but it, it's all tracking very well. I feel like the autopilot engineering team is, um, is, is we just have an extremely talented group, um, and uh, I'm, I'm deeply involved with the team. Um, you know, so we talk every week at, and, and meet every week when we can, because now physical meeting is difficult. But, um, so I have a quite a, a deep understanding of where we are, where we're headed, and um, I feel like we, we have a tremendous amount of momentum, and, and we'll have the functionality necessary for um, full self-driving by the end of the year. Um, now, after that functionality is released, there's, there's still another step, which is to uh, um, improve the reliability of it uh, once it's released. Um, so you can have full self-driving with the human that's supervised by the driver, and, and then we keep improving the reliability to the point where um, it, is, it no longer needs to be supervised by the driver. Then we provide a, a vast body of data to regulators to show them that this is the case, uh, and then presumably the regulators, depending on which jurisdiction it is, would give approval for fully autonomous cars that can drive with no human on board. Um, Obviously, the regulatory approval process, that's difficult for us to um, predict uh, with accuracy because it's out of our hands. But um, for, for the rest of it, I, I feel very good about where we are. And where so we to, to summarize, we want, we're going to get uh, owners full autonomy, some uh, level of that by the end of the year, and then a human in yep. the loop, Tesla network app sometime uh, is the first half of next year. Would that be the hope? <clears throat> uh, do, do you mean like um, when can the car drive with no, no person in uh, board? Or? Uh, with a person, initially a person to observe, would that be with the Tesla network app, would that be early part of the year of 2021? Is that the hope? If, if described as a hope, I would say that that's probably a fair description. Okay. And then... You know, kind of take it to its uh, end stage, the robo-taxi stage. Any high-level thoughts? Understand the regulatory is a massive unknown, but uh, if you're going to put a guess on it, where would we 
start when we start seeing robo taxis. Well, I, I think I think I think it's it, it's quite likely, in my view. Um, again, I could, say, could be wrong. I'm, you know, I, I'm. As you see, we're ahead in some areas and we're behind in others. Because when I give when I when I give when I give a guess, I give the guess that I think is the the the, the likely midpoint, not the the point with lots of margin. Um, if, if this is normal distribution, I give you the 50th percentile, uh, not the three sigma, you know, optimistic or pessimistic. Um, so then that necessarily means at least half my predictions will be wrong and half will be right. At, and, yeah, I think, um, or well, it might be right, but offset by, you know, a few weeks to you know, a few months, in some cases, a few years. Um, but uh, I believe as everything I've ever said would come true, did come true, it may come true late, but it, uh, it did come true. Um, so, um, you know, punctuality is not my strong suit. Um, but I always come through in the end. Uh, so, I, you know, I think we could see robo taxis in operation with the network fleet next year. It, not in all markets, but in some. This question pops up at least once an earnings call. And I left it in, even though we didn't get a lot of information, I left it in because it's nice to get an update on where we are in full self-driving and the robo-taxi service. But in all reality, it's not that interesting. I didn't think it was anyway. Um, we have one more question. Thank you guys for hanging in here. It's been a long show. We're currently at an hour and nearly nine minutes. So I appreciate everybody sticking with me. One more question, and then we'll end the show. Let's take the question. I think, like, I can't remember... Um I think from the very first uh, days I heard you on the call, you've always mentioned that demand for energy storage is always outstripping supply and you have more orders than you can make. And so I'm kind of thinking there will be, there should be an inflection point in that business at some point and it's going to be driven by your ability to add much more manufacturing capacity like battery manufacturing capacity. And at a high level, uh, how, how are you thinking about that inflection point uh, in terms of timeline? Um, in terms of timeline, I, I think what we've been doing with, with uh, both our partners and internally is looking at how to reduce the fundamentally the cost of, of investments in new cell capacity um, because when you look at um, a car – a vehicle product, you know, there's a lot of things in the vehicle besides the cells. When you look at an energy storage project product, it's really just the cells. And so to really grow the energy storage business, it's all about cell investments. And so that's that's what we've been focused on. And 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 I think, you know, not to give too much away, but that'll be one of the things we address in in Battery Investor Day is is how we're we're focused on that. Um, and and when we when we have that in the place we want, it'll be a lot easier to scale that business. And on that note, we will end the podcast here. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you're a new listener, thank you. If you're an old listener, thank you. And thank you for coming back. Hopefully the new listeners will come back as well. Um, you can email me. It's 
blah, blah, blah. My mind, my mind is butter at this point. You can email me Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. That's 918digital.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open at 918digital. The hell I said Twitter right this time. And uh, what's the other thing? I don't know. There's probably, oh, you know what, Chip? Uh, we gave away the coffee mug. We gave that to Nick, which is great. And I want to say happy birthday, Nick. Chip still has that really cool shirt. So you could go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt and you can see the shirt. It's a large. And if you would like it, then Chip will send it to you. And so far, it sounds like Nick is a very happy contestant, customer, friend. Nick's really happy. He likes the coffee cup. It looks great in his kitchen. All right, everybody, have a great week, and I will talk to you next Friday. Thank you very much uh, for all your great questions. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have today, uh, and we'll speak to you again in three months' time. Thank you very much, and have a good day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.